0: If you're in the Austin area, I would like to invite you to my new four-week series at Crux Climbing Center called Rockin' Yoga. This socially distant, COVID-compliant, beginner-friendly series is part yoga and part top rope climbing. It's a fun and accessible way to use yoga as a tool to prepare for climbing, but also enhance your climbing skills. I work with an awesome climbing instructor who really takes the fear and intimidation out of climbing. Please check out my episode all about rock and yoga, number 16, Yoga and Climbing, if you would like to learn a little bit more about this offering. This weekly series starts February 3rd, 2021, and is limited to six spots. If you're interested, go to cruxclimbingcenter.com. I'll also link that info in the show notes. Now, let's enjoy this upcoming episode. Welcome to the yoga and podcast. I am your host Ashley Weber, a yoga and embodiment teacher who is living and learning every day here in the lovely Austin, Texas. And I am so excited to share with you guys my audio version of the sensitive soul series. This is a four week course with each week building on the next. We are now in week three. So if you missed the first two episodes, I highly recommend pausing here and going back to listen to the two episodes and do the homework provided before starting this episode. The series is interactive and designed for the listener to have fun with the suggested journal props and optional homework. This week we will learn all about boundaries, especially if you consider yourself an empathic individual. This is a really good topic to focus on. We will learn some useful tools to help with putting up our boundaries, mostly energetic by the way, and why it's especially important to do so if you are a sensitive soul. I invite you to grab a journal and a pen, find a comfortable seat and enjoy the ride that is the Sensitive Soul Series. Welcome back, everybody. So we're in episode three of this episode's Boundaries and Beyond of the Sensitive Soul series, but I would like to very briefly recap the past two episodes so it brings us up to speed and then also just summarize what the Sensitive Soul series is about. And it's about getting to know ourselves and uncover what it means to be a sensitive soul and as a unique individual, that might require more self-keeping than the average person. And we probably know this, but we do not live in a highly sensitive, accommodating world. And at the same time, being highly sensitive, we have actually a lot of gifts to offer the world. And so what this series does is explores possible ways, possible self-keeping techniques For highly sensitive individuals and in doing these practices we can not only come to understand ourselves just a little bit more hopefully but the self-keeping practices and rituals can help to fill up our well and, and help to maximize our ability to give the world our gifts and minimize the challenges and if you're unclear uh if you are highly sensitive, or maybe you think you're empathic, but you're not sure, go back to episode one. We cover all about what it means to be highly sensitive and what it means to be empathic to give you a better understanding. You might be both. You might be one. You might be the other. For the sake of simplicity, moving forward in this episode, um, we're going to use the phrase just highly sensitive. And really when I say that, I mean highly sensitive slash empathic person. And that's a mouthful, so that's um, that's. I'm just going to stick to the one uh, highly sensitive phrase. So you know what I mean. So we're going to get into some of the strengths and challenges of being a highly sensitive person, and that's also referred back to in episode one. Uh, so some of the challenges could be... Um, being called too sensitive. So possibly a negative association with that. And sensitive people can attract energy vampires, uh, people who kind of drain their energy. So you can feel very tired and drained, possibly being a highly sensitive person and also, the volume of life is on level 12 all the time. So everything's a little brighter, a little scratchier, a little louder, a little uh, more intense than, than other things, for better or for worse. And so my experience has been, you know, car sickness, nauseous with certain smells Uh, back when we could go into stores feeling like nauseous from the smells of like clothing stores or other challenges could be a people pleaser or uh, dysregulated nervous system. I mean, for me, it it was always kind of the weirdo who needed to reset by herself. Like, what was that about? That was always like a question mark for people. Um, But I just personally need a lot of downtime. And I hear other highly sensitive individuals do as well. All right. Now we're going to get into the strengths that highly sensitive people may have. Not every single person is going to have the exact same uh, gifts, but this is a general list. Uh, One, they can be a good listener. They know how to listen well. And because of that, they can be really good friends. Uh, Good friends know how to listen. Uh, There is a relatability, there's that empathy that highly sensitive people have that makes others feel safe, feel seen. The highly sensitive person can be quite the visionary and see a big picture in things. They can also see symbolism in things, uh, in stories, in situations. Some are known to be intuitive or even psychic uh be- because highly sensitive people know how to hold space and when i say hold space uh i i mean they have a presence with others that they can just allow others to simply be so they're not there trying to fix or change the situation they're just with the individual or group and this is a great um ability a a great skill set especially in facilitating holding space for for healing healing purposes so known for healing is uh sometimes the highly sensitive person and they're content with less so they may not need a whole bunch of stimulating things in their home or a whole bunch of um stuff to take care of or there's there tends to be a little bit less in uh, the highly sensitive individuals that I know in their home. I, I kind of notice a theme of a little minimalish vibe. And because of this increased self-awareness, um, a, a highly sensitive person who you know has been working on themselves, there's a level of maturity that is is quite refreshing. And although I was saying earlier that highly sensitive people can attract energy vampires, they can also attract other highly sensitive individuals. And those are really cool people to have in your life. And there's definitely more gifts, but these are just just some that I wanted to highlight. And, and you know, not everybody has what you have. And, and I, I think this should be really clear and should be celebrated last week's episode was all about Ayurveda. And Ayurveda, if you don't already know, is an ancient health system that originated in India over 5,000 years ago. Now, this subject of Ayurveda is quite the undertaking. Um, So if Ayurveda, this word is brand new to you, never heard of it before, I highly, highly recommend going back to that episode, episode the second episode in this series and reviewing it before moving forward. But but in a nutshell, we learned that we're made of five elements and those five elements are actually lumped into three categories called the doshas in Ayurveda. And you have kapha, pitta, vata. And then we talked about, and so that can make up what's called a constitution. Um, so we all have different combinations of those five elements and they show up in this way. And there, there's different rituals, self-keeping techniques, even yoga postures, even approaches to our yoga practice that can help to balance if there's an excess amount of one or two or even few elements. And um, so yeah, that's it's kind of it was a really intense undertaking doing that episode because there was just like so much to cover. I I wanted, I really wanted to do Ayurveda justice. And um, I only feel like we just touched the the very, very surface of Ayurveda. Um, So please check it out. Last week, there was also some homework given out. And of course, we know the homework's optional. There's no way of knowing if you did the homework or not, unless you tell me. But how did it go? So the homework assignment was from that last episode, all about Ayurveda. We learned a lot of tricks and tips and some self-keeping rituals derived from Ayurveda to help balance our constitution. And the term, we use the term little, little, as in uh, referring to just do one, just do one self-keeping practice. Don't do all of them. Let's not be uh, that extreme uh, American uh, way of doing things where we just overdo, or that, that's what I do. So I can't speak for every person. The idea is you take on uh, self-keeping practice, practice and you do it for a longer period of time and you slowly kind of move towards more the middle or more to the balance, um, balancing yourself. So the question is, whatever that self-keeping practice you did, did you like it? Did you resonate with it? Did you find more balance, more value in that practice? And if you didn't, if if it, if it you forgot about the homework assignment, if you don't even remember what you chose or you did it once and you didn't like it, that's good information. Because we're not meant to... Um, to like all of the, the rituals. Now I will say, I find that like attracts like and opposites bring balance. And so generally, uh, if there's a little bit of initial resistance in a practice, a self keeping practice, I like to work a little bit through the resistance, maybe weigh it out a little bit, maybe take, you know, try, try it for a week or a month and then see how I feel. Because sometimes that little bit of resistance is a sign, like, "Oh yeah, this is going to bring me balance." Now, every person's different. That's just been my experience. Um, if if I if I like the ritual a little too much, <laughs> I ask myself, "Do I really need it, or is this am I going kind of in the in the wrong direction?" So <laughs> that is really this is an opportunity to work on trusting ourselves and trusting, listening to our gut a little bit when it comes to picking and choosing what practice might work for you. So this idea of balance, for me, the word was a little bit elusive, a little bit vague, and it's actually taken me a, a while to ponder the word and really search for the meaning of it for my own self. Like, What does balance feel like? What does it feel like in the body? And I think that's the question to ask yourself if if you're not clear. And uh, it's taken me years to figure this out for myself. And I'm, you know, I'm still, the answer is still evolving, I'm sure. But for me, feeling balanced in my mind and body means feeling rooted physically in my body, but then also light the same time so there's this buoyant feeling inside my body there's this there's no overflow of thoughts in my head in fact there's hardly any thoughts my mind feels very um hollow (laughs) but present i'm very present um another way i look at feeling balanced in my mind and body is being held between earth and sky. And I think that goes back to presence because the truth is we're always held between earth and sky. The question is, are we attuned to it or not? Do we feel it or not? And, um, you know, mother earth below father sky above getting pulled down to the earth, but then the sky is kind of pulling our skull up. I think there's something really beautiful about feeling those two polarities. And I think that in itself feels really balancing. And um, I invite you to the next time, if you're curious about feeling held between earth and sky, mountain pose, I think is a really good um, way to find that. And I would recommend to unlock your knee joints if they have a tendency to lock out and lift the base of your skull as if the sky's pulling you to the sky. And that's a great way to feel it Also, another note about balance is it's not static. It's a constant calibration. And so there's a certain level of um, adaptability. And, you know, last week was about elements. It was very, like, elemental. The weather outside is always changing. We're affected by the weather. Like, our self-care, self-keeping rituals might shift, and that's okay. So just the, the takeaway is the goal is not to think like once we reach balance, we're done and it stays that way. We're constantly present to the moment and watching the moment unfold and then responding to what we need in that moment. All right, now we're going to get into the good stuff, what this episode is titled, Boundaries. Boundaries and why do we need them? So let's first define empath, empathic person uh, for a moment. So an empathic person is someone who has empathy for others and can feel what others are feeling. Sometimes they can even lose themselves in another person or situation and even take on others' emotions and pain. And so the line gets blurred and sometimes what's mine and what's theirs isn't so clear. Now, you also can be a highly sensitive person, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're empathic. And I would say in a nutshell, to oversimplify this a little bit, is an empathic person has a lack of boundaries and a highly sensitive person doesn't necessarily have that. So especially if you consider yourself someone who's empathic, it is important to have tools in your toolbox, which we'll go into more uh, in a moment. And that'll give you a way to protect yourself and set boundaries with others. And some are going to be energetic boundaries we'll talk about. You might be wondering, how does one become an empathic person? And we covered this a little bit in episode one, but um, there, there can be many reasons for this. So If you already are naturally highly sensitive, that becoming empathic is kind of in your wheelhouse. Uh, It's easier, I think, for a highly sensitive person to become one maybe than a not so highly sensitive person. Uh, So back in episode one, we discussed that sometimes an empath became one because they had to. They had to take on other people's quote unquote stuff to have value in their family. What I learned about myself when I used to subconsciously take on others' pe- other people's pain was being helpful. I thought I was being helpful. And as maybe <laughs> negative as it might be, I would take on other people's stuff because it was kind of validating. I was the friend who they always felt better after they talked to, or I was the person who, and once I realized I was empathic, then all that changed of course. But, um, you know, there's something about it that felt good being the one who, who made others feel better and, and you can make people feel better. That's just not the way to do it because, the dark side of this is, you know, you can drain yourself and, and to the extreme to where you can get actually very, very sick. So here's an example that played out in my life when I was younger. And, and at the time I had the word empathic and, and the word boundaries had no meaning to me. I had, so I grew up not knowing what boundaries were. So I already had, um, had a lack of knowledge in those areas. And back when I taught Pilates, I taught of many people who had been recovering from injuries or surgeries. So steel rods in the back, hip replacements, all kinds of rehabilitative stuff. That's who I worked with one-on-one primarily all day long. And it was a very rewarding job. And my clients would, you know, say how better how much better they feel after our sessions, but little did they know I was going home with their back pain that night. This was all subconscious. this was this was not something I was doing intentionally. and i would I would go home after work and just be completely exhausted, like zero energy. And I just thought that that was what everyone experienced um, after work and because i didn't know i was empathic because i didn't have boundaries or energetic boundaries that that concept was completely foreign and in addition to all this because i had no self-keeping techniques that i would do on my own i didn't know what to do with myself so um when i get tired i get the munchies so i go home and just eat too much and fall asleep and then i get up the next day and do it again and this is you know this is really not a healthy pattern but it was a pattern that i had for a long time and it wasn't until i started going to yoga and yoga trainings and this is actually why i really love yoga is is it opened me up to new ideas new concepts and the word empathic was brought up in a training I was in and I hadn't, I hadn't really, I heard of the word, but I, I hadn't really known much about it. And when I discovered what it meant, it fit me to a T, a light bulb went off and I was like, Oh my God, why didn't someone tell me this years ago? Cause it, it would have made my life so much easier. It would have made so much more sense. And so that's why I'm really passionate about teaching this series is I, it's basically everything I wish I would have known when I was like 19 or 20 (laughs) or younger, you know, I, have always been this way. That is, um, just a little example of what the dark side of being an empathic. We will now dive into some boundary creating tips. And I want to preface this with saying, I share these with you from my own personal experience And they're probably familiar things. Um, Some are familiar, some may not be so familiar. It's just, I think it's a good idea to be reminded of all this. And this journey that we're on of working on ourselves, self-study, growing spiritually, whatever lessons we're here to learn, I believe we're here to learn a few times, like in a spiral. I think growth happens in an upward spiral. And so the lesson comes around again and again, and there's a test and challenge, and each time it gets a little easier, but it's it's good to be reminded. So you know, my lifelong journey here is, is there's many reasons I'm here, but practicing boundaries is one of those things. And as I'm recording this, I wince a little bit. I'm a little bit like bracing myself because every time I teach boundaries um I talk about boundaries in my my workshop, my series the universe is always like, "Oh, is that a challenge? Okay, buckle up, Ashley. We're going to we're going to hit you hard with some boundaries um that you can test out and make sure you really are practicing what you're preaching." So, uh probably at the time that you're listening to this um I have probably had a lot of tests and challenges in my life from publishing this episode. Sometimes boundaries can, the word can be a little elusive, or maybe there might be a misconception that boundaries are even complicated. I go to my gut for this and I ask myself, is this okay? Or is this not okay? And I believe that's actually pulled from Brene Brown. I I think I might've heard her say that in a podcast or, you know, online. I watch all of her stuff online. And it's just that simple. Ooh, should I do this thing over here? My gut is like, and not at the thought of that or, oh, can I try this? Oh yeah, my gut's relaxed. I feel like I can breathe. This feels like a good idea. I think it, I think it can be that simple. And I think it takes a bit of cultivating um, that awareness, but um, I invite you again to trust your gut, trust yourself uh, in this journey of setting boundaries. And then also, you know, when you change in a relationship, when suddenly you have boundaries um, whereas in past relationships, you did not. The other person is forced to change. My experience is people don't like that. You don't want to collaborate with someone or you don't want to hang out with someone. That's okay. You have to be a little bit okay with coming off as, in my case, appearing antisocial. Uh, because the truth is, um, there's a lot of things I say no to now and, um, you know, and I'm not, and don't worry about offending anybody. If a very simple boundary you can set. And I like this wording of this, A student who came to a previous sensitive soul series shared this with us and it stuck with me ever since. If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And there's something so liberating about saying the word no or freeing. There's something freeing about it. And it's about being picky and discerning. I find, even though I didn't believe that this would happen at first, I find the more I say no to things, so there would be you know, opportunities that on paper looked really good. And if anybody saw these opportunities on paper, they'd be like, you're crazy for saying no. But the truth is they weren't, they actually weren't that great or they weren't in alignment with me, truly in alignment with me. And I could feel that even though, even though it wasn't that rational and I'd say no. And I, and you know, the moment I'd say no, I'm like, okay, that felt right. Like I felt like I needed to say no. Then my mind would go, am I crazy for saying no to this thing that should be really awesome and I should be excited about And you know what, I could, I can look back and see, I can see now why it wasn't a good fit. But when you're in it, it's, it's a little, it's a little harder to trust yourself. And over time, because I've practiced this way enough, over time, I now trust myself, I trust my intuition, basically, is is what it is. And I feel like, you know, I'm steering myself in the right direction and aligning with the right people and the right situations and the right opportunities. And if it doesn't feel right, there is this, there's this, honestly, my stomach just gets twisted in knots at this point. It's, it's hard to explain, but, um, but it's taken a lot of cultivating and it's going to, I have to continue to cultivate it. I can't just, you know, it's not like a switch that turns on and off. Like it's, it's a constant, like, Checking in with yourself and asking, is this appropriate for me? And it's been life-changing to have this internal compass. And I I thank yoga for this internal compass I now have. Because yoga is the tool in my life to help me hold space for myself and really check in with myself regularly. And... Um, be clearer about what is appropriate for me and what is not appropriate for me. So getting more into some energetic boundaries. At the beginning of this episode, we practiced this ritual, the cocoon of white light, which I actually teach every time in my series. We also did it in episode two. So this is a great practice uh, for setting energetic boundaries. And you can also just visualize a cocoon or an energetic pure white light barrier around you say if you're entering a difficult situation or you know you have to enter a place where it's just a funky vibe (laughs) this might help you another boundary you can set for yourself which we talked about in episode two about Ayurveda Ayurvedic body oiling also known as Ambiyanga and um, it's not only are you adding this earth element to yourself adding oil to your body which can have a grounding effect you are literally putting a boundary between you and the rest of the world with that oil and if you want to find out more you can google how to do ayurvedic body oiling there's a lot of resources out there you can also go back to episode two as well and learn more Hand washing. This is one when I used to teach public classes a lot. I noticed there was an energy lull throughout my day after I taught, and um, and and I'd find myself thinking about the class, or I would still part of me would still be in the past um, teaching. And what I learned to do is wash the hands after just to wash myself clean of that experience and move on and it's and obviously these days it's really important to wash our hands but this as a releasing ritual i think is really great another practical uh thing about setting boundaries um going back to teaching i often find not always but sometimes after I teach a class, I need to use the restroom or I have to just go. And sometimes, just setting that uh, boundary of if somebody after class wants to talk to you, you can tell them you just have one minute or you have five minutes for them or whatever it is you have. Or, hey, I can't, I have to leave, but he, you know, um, I have your contact info, we can talk later. Um, that's another boundary you can set because the worst thing ever is not setting it. And then, like, you're crossing your legs because <laughs> you have to use the restroom and they have no idea about that. So, that's another one I found that's useful and practical. Epsom salt bath, Epsom salt with baking soda in a bath, particularly. It is a great detoxifier for, say, whatever it is you want to you want to get rid of in your body and move on from and so I recall back when I first started teaching yoga uh, you know one of my dreams was teaching events with live music and that got to happen I'm very lucky that I've had musicians in my life that have helped me um, create these events but there was a lot of excitement and exhilaration in the beginning. And um, because it felt like, you know, crossing off this big bucket list thing that I've always wanted to do. And it was really hard to come down after an event and I would get all kinds of emotions. I would get insecurity. I would get excitement. I would get worry. I would get self-doubt. All those different things would get stirred up in me, and I found an Epsom salt bath with baking soda afterwards really uh, removed all those strong emotions and helped me. I, I I would say not delete the emotions, but process the emotions, release the emotions. And you can do that for all kinds of things. You know, maybe you're consoling a friend on the phone, and you know afterwards you keep thinking about them and you you're, you have all this empathy for them and um and you're really 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 sad for the, you know for what they're going through and you know maybe taking a bath can help to uh, settle settle that those powerful emotions a little bit more gray rocking is another technique and this is more for uh dealing with narcissists now i'm not an expert in gray rocking this might be something you do your own research on but i kind of love it 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 just makes me laugh the whole gray rocking thing because you become the in essence you become the most uninteresting person in the entire world (laughs) in in relationship to whatever narcissistic type of personality you encounter or a dramatic person you encounter and the idea is you don't give that person any fuel to um to create chaos or drama or conflict or uh so you just answer things in a really boring way you um kind of there's an indifference to it. Uh, Some people go as far as dressing really boring. So this would be something that I suggest you look into more because like I said, I'm not an expert and I'm sure there's a lot more to gray rocking than what I'm presenting. Um, This is just to give you an idea. And this would be for a situation where you have to encounter difficult people. Um, And this, this could be a way of working with that. So something also about boundaries, moving more into a a, more like a Mm -hmm. yoga practice in terms of boundaries, what I have found, and I can only speak for myself and for people who I've spoken to are highly sensitive, sometimes it can be easy to disassociate from the body or be out of our body. Now, that's a very strong word, disassociate from the body. Um, I just want to say if we're not fully present in our body, it might be more challenging to find the distinction between what's mine and what's theirs. And so yoga can be a great tool. There's other, you know, there's other modalities, but yoga is a great tool of being more present in the body and practicing embodiment. And what I mean by embodiment is really distinguishing what is the internal experience in my body? You know, if I feel, if I feel sad, where does that show up in my body? If I feel stress, is it a ball at the, um, right below the rib cage in my body? Like really identifying, um, our physical body. And what I, what I have found is locking out the joints. And I've learned this from one of my mentors locking out the joints can, um, be a way to disconnect from our body. And for instance, if you're standing in Tadasana and you lock out your knee joints, you might not feel the support of the ground below you lifting your feet up, holding your feet up. And then if we don't feel that support, we might tense up in the shoulders. That's just an example. Also locking out the knee joints, Um, it affects the joints above and below. So from a practical perspective, if you lock out your knee joints, you might an unnecessary unnecessary amount of compression in the low back. And over time that could lead to some, you know, some issues. It's a compensation. And, uh, when you don't lock out the knee joints, usually the muscles have to do a little more, um, work. They have to come online a little bit more. So that's something to consider Consider is if you're a joint, if you're naturally um, mobile in your joints and you have a tendency to lock out and you don't feel like you're connected to your body very often, that might be something to look at. I want to talk about energy vampires for a moment because we talked about it in episode one and I, I gave the example of being at a party. And you're minding your own business, having a great time. And always, always for myself, somebody with the saddest life story would find me and talk at my ears for like half an hour. And I didn't know how to get away and I didn't know what to do. And um, I didn't know I was attracting that. I just thought that happened to people. And um, and then I realized, you know, what, what I was getting... Out of it from tolerating this person uh, was, you know, quote unquote, being helpful, you know, and and that my skill set is being helpful or being the good listener, and that was very validating. And um, but then I started to realize, like, oh, this doesn't happen to everybody, and I'm attracting it, and I need to work on that. And so I want to run through a little bit, like, what what would happen to me physically with these people um, with these energy vampire types. And and also, I just want to say energy vampires are not bad humans. They, they're probably just unaware that they're doing this. All they know is it feels really, really good when you listen to them. And so they feel better. And then you feel worse after that interaction. Um, But they probably don't mean harm. Okay, so we're not villainizing them, even though it you know it's kind of has a negative sound to it, energy vampire. <sighs> so what would happen is I would I would um, meet these people, you know, and they would talk to me, and um, they'd start saying like sad things or, or dramatic things, and and I'd stop breathing, and and it's almost like <laughs> that would somehow give them more. Fuel, or I would empathize so much with what they're going through they would be sad I would be sad whatever they were feeling I was greatly influenced and pulled in that direction and I was not um, owning my own body and so what I started to do um, over time is when I would find myself in that situation again I would unlock my knees. So say, you know, standing up, I would un- unlock my knees and feel the ground lift up and support me and really check into feeling that support and then check in with my breath. So I, I could still listen to them, but I would also be aware that I, you know, my tendency to stop breathing is a is an issue. and um, I-, I should say shallow breathing. I mean, I'm breathing. I'm not like unconscious. <laughs> Stop breathing. I don't mean. I don't mean that. I mean I just barely would breathe, and then I could feel. I could start to feel their sad story, kind of trying uh, a little bit triggering. But then I would breathe a little deeper, and and just kind of feel for them, but not uh, not not let that pull um, pull me with them. So there there became a little bit of distance. And then I would excuse myself and go talk to somebody else. Okay. And that's how, that's how the bound, that's how the shift happened. And then the next time it happened, you know, and another example is, (laughs) you know, if you're intuitive, you could, you can start to sense that you attract this and you can see it a mile away all of a sudden, once you realize and see this person a mile away, (laughs) you know kind of moving in my direction and i would turn my body away from them so i'd point my toes away from them not towards them and i would gaze away from them and i could feel them kind of coming up to approach me and i would engage for a little bit say it's an acquaintance or even a friend or a stranger whoever it was i'd engage for a little bit but i could read it i could read the energy um, that there's something negative that they wanted to share and they wanted someone to hear it, you know? And so I'd engage and then like, you know, I don't know, five minutes, you know, as much as I could tolerate, um, I would just move on and politely excuse myself and, um, walk away. And I had to get used to the fact that I might be considered bitchy by doing that. But this is about knowing yourself, honoring yourself, protecting yourself and doing that first before anyone else. Right. And then what happened after that is now they, I mean, granted, you know, I've been in a quarantine pandemic for nine months. I haven't gone out to any parties lately, but now and I can tell you with confidence, I can be in a social setting and I don't think I attract that anymore. I actually, I really don't attract that anymore. But it, it's, you know, and this, is, this is like five years in the making. This is not something that happened overnight. And who knows, by me declaring that, um, the universe might show me otherwise later. But <laughs> I, I, can, I can say with confidence, I developed the awareness that that happens to me. I stopped it. I um, wouldn't give in to that pull. I would um, focus my attention and my body language and my breath. Onto myself and not onto that situation, and that so I wouldn't feed the situation, and that's what changed it for me. And I only share this because out of hoping that it helps someone out there. And um, I hope I hope these suggestions help you. I would love to hear your thoughts on boundaries, and if you have any of your own practices to share, I'm always down to hear um, your thoughts. For homework, I invite you to pick one or two of the boundary uh, practices mentioned in this episode, try them out for a week and see how it goes and maybe even journal about it. If you're a journaler, Um, you could even journal about the word boundary. Like what, what is the, what does the feeling bring up for you? For me in the beginning, the word boundary was this big old question mark. I had no idea uh, what I thought about it—it it was foreign. <laughs> and now, oh, how that has changed! Um, now I see boundaries as a way to self-preserve, to a way to practice love for myself, uh, really respect. And and when I meet others with boundaries, there's a mutual—I think there's a mutual respect there. Um, we live in a world that encourages us to give ourselves away. And, you know, at the end of the day, when we have really good boundaries set up for ourselves, it's very rebellious, actually. So I invite you to be rebellious, my sensitive soul. I hope you enjoyed today's third episode in this four-part series, and I hope you gained some insights on the subject of boundaries and how it can inform empathic and highly sensitive individuals. Also, to find a bit more self-preservation and peace in our lives, please stay tuned for next week as we tie this series all together in a pretty little pink bow we will touch on the chakras and come up with a game plan in making our highly sensitive toolbox for the future. Also, if this subject interests you, you would like to be a part of a supportive community, I have a monthly virtual meetup called the Sensitive Soul Secret Club. It's a club that's all about self-care and self-keeping, the ancient practices of yoga and Ayurveda. It's a monthly check-in to stay focused on taking care of ourselves. If you would like to check out more info or even join the club, you can go to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash yoga and podcast. You can also find that info in the show notes. If you would like to help the podcast, please leave us a glowing five-star review on Apple podcast or wherever you listen to your podcast. It's greatly appreciated. If you would like to connect with us, our email is yogaandpodcast at gmail.com. The and is spelled out Y-O-G-A-A-N-D podcast at gmail. If you would like us to keep going, please hit that subscribe button. Please follow us on Instagram at yoga and, podcast and let us know if you have any specific topics for future episodes. If you would like to apply to be a guest on the show, please check out my website at ashleyweberyoga.com forward slash podcast. There's a form there that you can fill out. The theme music is by Allie Holder. Sound engineering and mixing by Bentley the Cat. Guest booking by Chloe the Kitty. Remember that this podcast is for everyone. If you're a human living on planet earth, you might benefit from listening to yoga and podcast. See you next week.